Hey, hi, I'm Dahlia. How the help are you? You know, you arrived just in time because episode five of these secret episodes is about to begin. And today, you and I are embarking on a fantastic little voyage. I was going to say little fantastic voyage outside of your comfort zone, but Coolio wouldn't be as proud. So let's go. Her hair is curly, her teeth are pearly. She's got an edge, but she's still pretty girly. Oh, oh. Your comfort zone is probably making you miserable. And you're probably wondering how in the world I could say that. Or, wow, how does Dahlia know me so well when we haven't even known each other that long? So people talk about this quest for happiness in life, but I don't think people can really define it. Very few people ever have. And maybe you try to work really hard in life to get there, whether it's to do really well in your career, or maybe you work really hard to create this lifestyle of your dreams, or maybe your happy place is creating a network of friends. I don't know. But whatever the case, when you search for it, and you're searching and searching and searching and you're, you're on this quest to find this place and you just don't find it, what does that mean? How do you get where you want to go? And this is a weird stretch, but hi, I'm Dahlia. Um, and well, weird is my middle name. Actually, Jordana is, which is a bit of a weird name to some people, but I Dahlia Gress. But you probably don't even realize how your comfort zone is making you miserable. And here's the stretch, and it's accurate. A war zone is creating kindness and bringing people together right now. While media and so many people seem to be talking about this compassion fatigue that we have. And I'm going to tell you what the real problem is. It's not compassion fatigue. It's in your comfort zone. And it is making you miserable. And what type of an outrageous comparison is this? And I think I know how to get the point across to you. And I got to thinking about this the other day when three entirely incongruent stories happened one after the other over the course of my last week or so. But I only put it together after this last story that seems so meaningless, but it has so much more meaning than I realized in the moment. So yesterday, I wake up. It's Sunday, and this is the day of rest, and I am ready to go for my run, and I hate running. It's just I hate not running more. And then after the run, okay, what's next on this day of rest? I need to work on this podcast. And then after that, to complete this day of rest, I'll work on my morning show. This is Sunday. This is the day that I look forward to so that I don't have to do a lot of work. And so my friend invites me out of the blue. I've never done anything like this before. Never had this invitation before to go kayaking, to go kayaking. I'm afraid of the water. And my friend invites me to go kayaking. 
And I don't know why I said this, but I said yes. Something in me just needed to do something outside of me, I think, and I was craving it, and I say yes. And as I'm getting into this kayak, I say to my friend, you know, you're really taking me out of my comfort zone here. And as I was going out of my comfort zone, I was having more and more of this comfortable Sunday morning that I've been trying to have for so long that I crave, but no matter what I did, I never got it. And then after this kayak little quest that we go on, I'm going to go back home and have my typical boring breakfast, yogurt and fruit and a very weird concoction that I put it together with, but we won't even get into that. Well, maybe I will. I'll tell you that I had almond milk creamer, but it tastes really good. But we don't just go back and have normal boring breakfast. Suddenly this turns into, why don't we go out for breakfast? Why don't we go somewhere we've never been? And we go to this beautiful place, which is nothing that's outrageous in terms of, wow, this is a restaurant I really want to try. It's just a restaurant that's really out of the way. It's out of the typical path that I would follow to go anywhere to eat. And then I order something that I typically wouldn't eat. I like to have sweet breakfasts and I order a savory breakfast. I even get eggs and I don't even like to eat eggs. I'm doing all of these things that I don't really like, that I don't typically do. And this day is starting to become even more and more enjoyable. And now it's time to go back home because there's work to be done. And so just as we're about to head back, my friend says, hey, why don't we go, you know, just check out this other little town just a ways over and we'll take my moped and we'll just explore. I don't even go on mopeds (laughs) because, again little moped, little me, big cars on the road, something that I'm afraid to do, much like going in the water. But you know what? Something in me just wanted to do this. And then we go. We end up in this little town. And it's about 1.30 in the afternoon now. I still have all of this work ahead of me. And we see this little pub. And my friend says, why don't we stop and get a drink? A drink at 1.30 in the afternoon? I don't drink. Why am I going to go for a drink? But something in me, again, wants to go for this drink. Even though I don't drink, I order a cider. I don't even drink cider. And it was one of these really enjoyable moments, days to have even. And then it's time to go back home. Need to get some work done. But you know what? Now I'm not even in that mode. That's just not happening. What do we decide to do? We decide to get some food to make a barbecue. And then after that, when the day is done and it's nighttime and you're tired and there's not much left to do, what do we decide to do? Why don't we go out? Let's go sit by the river. 
And we go to the river overlooking a mountain, and this is really cute, and I see something that I've never seen at the river before. And it's this bench, and it's a full-body bench. And it's somebody who is five feet tall, five foot six when I do my podcast, because that's the person that you could imagine, feel free. It's really, really been a life's dream to be able to sit on a bench where you can just stretch your feet out or let your feet hit the ground because they're never quite comfortable if your feet are just dangling there. And I see a bench. I've never seen a bench like this before. It's a full body bench, like a chaise. And you just sit and your legs spread out across it like an ottoman that's attached, like a a chaise lounge, which makes no sense because that just means lounge chair. I don't understand why English mixes French words sometimes. But this was so comfortable. This was my dream bench. This was my dream bench. And this day, this day, to end on this full body bench, it sounds so silly. And like I told you, just all these meaningless little things. But all of these meaningless little things to you, maybe, created this perfect day to me that I never would have been able to plan a day like this in a million years. In fact, I will bet you anything that when you plan your perfect days, they don't often turn into perfect days because you're creating these expectations based on Based on what? Based on this idea of perfection that you have in your mind. So you're already making this kind of unattainable because you're not factoring in all of the other things, the externals that can happen that are out of your control. So it's almost as if when you're planning this perfect day, this perfect time, whatever, you're setting yourself up for failure. But I had no expectations. I didn't set myself up for failure. I set myself up for surprise and I didn't push myself so hard on my day off. I just let things sort of push me and guide me along. And it's not something that I would do for myself very often because you're always pushing and pushing and pushing yourself, right? You have to, whatever it is that you're trying to attain, whether it's that work success or the friend success or that lifestyle success, you're pushing yourself towards that, right? But pushing is not really a comfortable thing to constantly do because pushing is a type of pressure and you're constantly under this pressure. And it's funny because people are saying, especially right now, especially right now, with what's happening all over the world, with what's happening in Ukraine, with the war, with what's happening with people who can't afford houses, with what's happening with people who are struggling more than ever before. And we're saying, yeah, but you know what? It's just, there's compassion fatigue. Compassion is dying. And I don't think that compassion is dying. I don't think that we have compassion fatigue. This is a story I just watched the other day, but everybody was looking away. And I'm going to wrap this all together in a pretty little package and a bow to show the real problem and how by fixing it, 
things will get so much better, but not just globally. I mean locally. I mean locally with you. Starting with you, your life will get better. So I see people walking down these busy downtown streets and their faces, and I know I do this too, they look so don't approach me. And so here are all of these faces that look so don't approach me. And it's so easy to take this so personally as if they're saying, hey, you, you, person walking towards me in my sight line, don't approach me. But it, it's, not, it's not about you. It's about what's going on inside people, what's going on inside each of us. And so I'm, I'm just walking to this grocery store and I hear the sound a few times, but it wasn't until I heard it the third time that it really registers with me. And it sounds like, it sounds like a woman screaming, but not just any sort of screaming. I mean, screaming at the top of her lungs, screaming for her life. And I'm downtown and I'm looking at these people around me and where's this voice coming from? I can't quite make out the direction yet, but as I'm looking around, I don't see anyone else looking around. Everybody is walking towards their destination with that look, that don't bother me look on their face, not even registering this, these screams that I'm hearing. And I'm thinking, am I imagining this? Because that scream kind of sounds like how I can feel on the inside sometimes when things aren't going right and I'm putting all of this pressure on myself that I need to get this done and that done and this done and that done. And I thought, okay, I, what what's going on here? And I would love right now, and I was even going to play you some sort of sound effect that you could hear what the scream was like, like those blood-curdling screams. And I thought, well, there's no way that I could play you a sound effect or even do the scream by myself because human ears can't really handle that. And also, I record this podcast in the vicinity of Fozzie Bear and he couldn't really handle that. But I'm thinking if we're here in this real moment and you hear that sound effect or you hear me screaming like that, even though everybody was able to handle this just fine when everybody was outside walking around in their mean and cold and stoic faces, whatever they were, whatever they are that aren't registering these blood-curdling screams, you wouldn't be able to handle hearing that outside of the personal setting of this intimate conversation that we're having right here. Because that would register with you. You are in this moment, you are here. But all of those people walking around, that moment was not registering with them. Why? So I keep walking and I approach the grocery store and then I see her the screaming woman, and she's screaming into the street, even at cars, as if to reach out to as many people as possible. You don't hear the words, but she's definitely saying, please help me. And she's wearing these clothes that are way too hot for the weather. And she's wearing these clothes that 
but they don't even look like clothes. They look like some sort of dirty rags that she's wrapped around her body. And her hair is stringy and mangy and clumped together in parts. And she looks, she looks unwell. She needs help. But what can I do, right? I should call the police. I, I should call 911. Who, who do you call? What do you do? So it turns out the store had already called the police. They didn't want her to scare off customers. And now the police have arrived. And they're remaining calm. They're trying to talk to her. But this woman can't be consoled. She is just screaming for her life. And people are walking by. Maybe at one time, I would think years ago, I, I would think, wow, people are walking by. They're heartless no reaction. But now I'm seeing this differently. There was this time when I was hosting really early morning show and it was winter and it's, I don't know, five-ish in the morning. And I lived downtown and the studio was about a seven minute walk from my place. It's dark, it's snowing. And I was just so sick of these dark, snowy, early mornings and I'm walking to work and I'm talking to myself out loud because nobody's there to even watch me and I can do it and usually I at least have Fozzie Bear with me when I'm talking to myself out loud as I'm walking down the street so people don't think that I'm weird and talking to myself she's just talking to the dog that's perfectly fine but here I am on this cold dark, snowy morning, walking to work, just wanting to be in bed. And I'm talking to myself and I'm just, I'm saying, I hate my life. And I hear an echo of that. I actually heard, I hate my life, but it, it didn't come out of my mouth. Did I just say that again without even realizing it? but that doesn't even sound like me. And it was a man. It was a man. It turned to my side and I see this man sleeping on a stoop at the door of a shop on a bed of snow. And I walked right by him. And I only saw him when I looked back. And we had both just said the same thing. Living into completely different worlds. Me coming from my warm condo on the way to a job that pays for me to eat and sleep in a warm condo and have clothes on me and sleep of a bed that's not made of snow. And I'm saying the same thing that this man on the stoop on a bed of snow is saying on this cold, dark, wintry morning. And we are trapped in our own worlds, completely different worlds from the people around us. Look at the war in Ukraine where people are literally trapped in a war. 
And remember at the beginning how months ago people were talking about the war in Ukraine. What could we do to help? What, what do Ukrainians need from us? They are under attack by Russia. What can we do for them? whole world is congregating around this question. How can we show our help? How can we show we're behind them? And then slowly as time progresses, you don't hear about it in the news as much. It's still in the news. But this whole congregation of compassion seems to have faded, right? And so you hear people talking about, oh, compassion fatigue has hit. Even media uses this as a headline. And I see these headlines. And you think, wow, how come we never hear anger fatigue has hit? People don't get tired of anger. How, how come we, we, we never hear that sadness fatigue has hit? People don't get sick of sadness. Compassion is the emotion that we get sick of. Compassion fatigue has not hit. The media cycle has hit its limit for now. You're, you are bombarded with information. You could only handle so much of the same thing. And if you keep getting the same thing thrown at you, what, how are you going to react to it? You'll get tired of hearing it. And media has this formula, this way that you have to go about sharing information. And that is a big reason why information is a huge problem. You have enough information, my little blueberry muffin. You need wonder, right? We've talked about this. So how do we get to that point where you get that wonder? How do we take away what is this so-called compassion fatigue. I don't even think it exists. You need to recognize something. And we could only get to that with story number three. Recognizing that you matter. Recognizing that someone else matters. Those two things go hand in hand. But how you can recognize anyone else is not going to happen if you can't recognize yourself. So, story three. My friend runs operations on a train and he's going around and he knows that he needs to look out for two cat cages. Why two cat cages on this train? Because there's a chain of people whom you don't hear about in the news, while you see headlines that compassion fatigue has hit, you don't hear about this compassionate story. A chain of people who are helping out these two people with these two cats. It's not something that's been organized. It's something organic. Two people are escaping the war in Ukraine. And this train of help, as it were, is unfolding in real time aboard a train. So my friend is going through the passengers aboard this train. And he gets to those cages. And he sees this couple. 
in about their mid-30s. And so he asks, are you from Ukraine? And it's them. He has a conversation with the man. The man can speak English, really good English, in fact. The woman, his partner, she can't. She's Russian, a Ukrainian man and a Russian woman. They're a couple. And the fact that she was Russian and he was Ukrainian, there was a lot of pressure on them from family and friends. There's a lot of pressure on them socially. There's a lot of pressure on them politically. There's a lot of pressure on them to save their lives. And they get out of Ukraine. And they're going to this small town in Canada, Belleville, Ontario. And all of their life was in four medium bags and two high-quality cat cages that someone bought them. And so my friend is there helping them through this trip. And he asks if they've eaten. And the man says, no. And so my friend says, are you hungry? And the man says, yes. And my friend says, do you have any money to pay? The man says, no. So my friend says, take what you want. It's on me. And the Ukrainian man looks at him, confused. I'm buying. Take whatever you want, my friend says. And they only took two sandwiches, but they did it really gratefully. Two sandwiches aboard the train. So later on, my friend is passing through the train again. And he sees the couple. And he wants to see how they're doing. And the man says to him, you know, we're from the war in Ukraine. And my friend says, yes, we all know. Canada's behind you. And the guy says, nobody's ever done anything like that for us like what you did, like how people are helping us along the way. And my friend says, well, welcome to Canada. And the woman who was with the Ukrainian man, his partner, she didn't speak English, right? But she thanked my friend in Russian. And of course, her Ukrainian partner translated and thanked my friend in English my friend already knew without any translation what she was saying and here's this Ukrainian man who is fleeing war who is fleeing all of these societal pressures with his Russian partner and he's on the verge of tears my friend is teary. And think about how this helped the Ukrainian man and his Russian partner. Think about how this helped my friend. What has this done for you? How has this story 
that is in no way connected to you, making you feel connected and doing something for you. In a world where people say that compassion is dead or fatigued, aboard this train of passengers was this train of kindness. In a world where people say that compassion is dead or fatigued, I see how it grows when people look around for others. Look outward instead of inward. But it's hard not to be focused on yourself. And this is where the problem lies. So Mr. Rogers had a song. What do you do with the mad that you feel? And this is not where the problem lies. This is what explains that problem. A kid's song. But before we get to that, I told you I had those three completely incongruent stories that fit together to help you understand why your comfort zone is making you miserable. Now let's put them together. So the first story, I unintentionally take that unexpected detour to do all of these things that have never been on my to-do list. And by the by, when I was doing them, I never even got to put on makeup or get ready to have this day. I just did them. And it made for pretty much the perfect day. Had I drawn up my perfect day and tried to achieve it, I'm pretty sure it wouldn't have been as close to perfect as that day. Your comfort zone is creating a path for you to follow that isn't based on your future path. Rather, it's based on the path that you've already taken. It's based on factors and context that don't necessarily exist in your present. And it excludes opportunities you've never even thought of in your future. Basically, your comfort zone is making you miserable. Now, the second story. That woman I saw screaming for her life while everyone just carried on with theirs. It's easy to see in her what people don't want to see in themselves. And it's hard to help someone who is drowning when you're already drowning. But the third story, that kindness train, the train you don't hear about in the news, the news that promotes these headlines that says compassion fatigue has struck. The train of people that banded together to help a couple who faced all odds, a Ukrainian man and a Russian woman in love, fleeing the war in Ukraine. Compassion spread from one person to another, showing how kindness isn't about looking outward at how other people matter and how doing that gives you something even more in return. Doing a kindness gives you self-compassion, a sense of self, a sense of self-worth. Get out of your comfort zone. Feel your feelings. But get out of your comfort zone or you'll never connect to other people's feelings or other people, period. And you'll never feel compassion or kindness if you can't do that. So, back to that Mr. Rogers song. What do you do with the mad that you feel? When you feel so mad you could bite, 
when the whole wide world seems oh so wrong and nothing you do seems very right. This is a song for kids, but when you hear those words, what do you feel? Meh, it's a kid's song. What's the matter? But that's exactly it. It matters so much now. You're an adult, right? So you've perhaps had the chance to experience trauma, perhaps multiple traumas, death, loss, abuse, illness, whatever. After trauma, any trauma, you can go into a different mode in which you attack yourself because trauma makes you attack yourself. It's true. It's self-attack. Trauma can activate all of these kinds of self-attack. It's the opposite of self-compassion. You see, I don't think people have compassion fatigue. I don't think you're losing your compassion for others. I think you're losing compassion for yourself. In turn, you're losing compassion to cope. And when you're overwhelmed, it's hard to take care of those around you, to notice what's around you. You get comfortable in your own misery, and it feeds on itself. And that is why your comfort zone is making you miserable. And that is why people didn't hear this woman screaming for her life or did hear it and had to find a way to tune it out. Or they were trying to tune out their own thoughts in their head. Whatever it was. When you get this overwhelmed, what do you do with the mad that you feel? Mr. Roger Song went on to say, what do you do? Do you punch a bag? Do you pound some clay or some dough? Do you round up friends for a game of tag or see how fast you go? It's great to be able to stop when you've planned a thing that's wrong and be able to do something else instead and think this song. I can stop when I want to, can stop when I wish. I can stop, stop, stop anytime. And what a good feeling to feel like this and know that feeling is really mine. And yeah, that's a song for kids. And I'm sure you're not going to go and play a game of tag, but it, it would be fun. I really do think so. And I'm sure that you can choose a good feeling too, even when things are at their worst. But it's hard. I remember this paramedic's house burned down. And I thought, this is a first responder who's already going through so much. I'm going to try to use my show as a platform to help. I'm going to rally the community. And so people did come forward. But this one man, this one man who wishes to remain anonymous, he calls into the show, off air, and he offers $5,000. $5,000 for a stranger. I had to talk to this man. So my producer was taking these calls because I'm on air. And I say to him, I say to my producer off air, 
Please get me this man's name and number. I want to call him and personally thank him. And I call him. And he says, you know, I just wanted to do something good. My wife just died. And I'm dealing with brain cancer right now. And things are really hard. And so I wanted to do something good. Because this makes me feel good. And you know, he didn't have a lot of money either. But he had a lot of feelings. And he needed to stop. He needed to be able to stop these feelings because there were just too many. He was overwhelmed. And that was his way. And it doesn't mean that you need to give $5,000 to a stranger. It means you need to give yourself a break. You need to stop. Hear the person scream, whether it's that woman on the street or that piece of you on the inside. Stop. Have compassion. Have compassion for yourself. Or you won't be able to have the capacity to have compassion for others. We don't suffer from compassion fatigue. We suffer from fatigue. We don't notice what's going on around us. We don't always see the compassion. It is always there. Remember Marcel Marceau? Legendary mime. Did you know that he used his skills, his acting abilities, his mime to rescue Jewish children during World War II? He would smuggle them across the Swiss border, miming to keep them happy while instructing them to stay quiet. He saved at least 70 children. Who hears about that? And yes, you could insert a million mind jokes right there. But who, who hears that? Who sees that? When was it in a mime's career goals or lifestyle goals to save 70 kids during the Holocaust? Or look at the actual war right now. You know what's happening with jewelers in Ukraine whose lives are under threat, whose businesses and workshops are being bombed and destroyed? Do you know what a lot of Ukrainian jewelers are doing right now? They're making wedding rings. They're taking all of the time, all of the possible ways that they could sneak into whatever workshop, makeshift workshop, to put together these wedding rings and give them for free to people who want to be married in Ukraine, especially looking to give them to people who are fighting in the war to save their country. And then there are people who are vacationing in Ukraine. How is it a vacation to go in Ukraine right now? They're using their vacation time to go to Ukraine. For instance, a father and son have taken a tourist vacation to save Ukrainians. Who sees this? They're from the Czech Republic. They decide to spend their annual family trip in Ukraine this year. Michal and Daniel Kale. They see each other only a few weeks each summer because Daniel, the son, studies in the United States, but they just wanted to do something meaningful 
instead of just being tourists in some other country this year. So they joined this volunteer building organization called Dobre Bat. It's a name that combines Dobro, or kindness, with Bat for battalion, a Ukrainian word about a battalion of kindness during the war. There's a lot of compassion right now. It's just hard to see it if you don't see it towards yourself. So I want to leave you with a story to make you smile. In Ukraine, amidst all of this war and horror, rescuers found a group of puppies underneath the rubble of a destroyed building. When they looked closer, they saw the puppies were protecting a litter of newborn kittens and refused to leave their side. And they're still together, these puppies, these kittens, along with the kitten mama, because they've become one big happy family. Cats and dogs can get along, save lives, live, and help live. They can do it. You can too. So as we continue these secret episodes, so to speak, I'm actually preparing to introduce you to some people you need to hear, people you need to meet to see what I mean. And if you need help or you want us to meet someone you know who helps, then I'm right here at Dahlia Kurtz. So find me anywhere you look on social media and say hi, say help, say whatever you need and go get out of your comfort zone. Get into your self-compassion zone. It doesn't mean you have to go kayaking, but I actually think you should try going kayaking. Thanks for dropping by the neighbor, Alia. I'm Dahlia. Live and help live. Oh, oh. Nothing rhymes with Dahlia. Nothing rhymes with Dahlia. Nothing rhymes with Dahlia.